This program is sponsored by Proponacy, where I'm the president and CEO. Proponacy is the Greek word for coaching. We provide SaaS technology to centers like yours. Most contact centers struggle with their people, whether it be overcoming monotony, attrition, or getting superior performance. Our solution makes it easier and cost-effective to get even more than you could possibly have expected from your front line. The result is loyal customers, engaged employees, and winning, provable, profitable results. You can reach us at Proponacy.com. You are being forwarded to the contact center code. Contact Center Christmas. Twas the night before Christmas when all through the center, not a creature was stirring, not even a printer. The headsets were hung by the cubicles with care in hopes that not too many calls would be there. Each manager was nestled all snug in their chair while visions of call volume made them each stare. And I was alone with a 10-page report with too many columns for my poor brain to sort. When up on the reader board there displayed such a sight, I sprang from my office with all of my might. Away to the display I flew like a flash, tripped over a phone cord and made a loud crash. And that's when I saw it, those numbers so high, I looked at that reader board and started to cry. And finally I shouted, what's going on here? High call volume for Christmas could be something to fear. Then I heard a strange noise that made me turn quick. And there right before me was Jolly St. Nick. He said, worry not, I brought help for these calls and still will have time to deck all the halls. And he whistled and shouted and rolled up his sleeves. I was rubbing my eyes, I just could not believe. Then he opened his bag, which seemed rather full and out ran a phone rep towards each cubicle. Now courtesy, now patience, show sales skills, don't wait. Just some of the things that improve your close rate. To the end of the aisle, to the top of the wall. Now dash away, dash away, dash away all. As each rep signed in, I saw the reader board frown. And then the huge call volume finally went down. I went back to my office and looked at the screen at all of those calls blinking from red to now green. So why the big guy had dropped by that eve, it was just so amazing and hard to believe. For the gifts he delivered had no whistles or bells, improved margins per hour and margins per sale. And this gift creates new gifts to give out each day in the actions they take and the things that they say. And our customers love them. It's what brings them back. Wonderful reps keep sales and service on track. And then Santa waved and he gave us a wink as only green lights were left on to blink. But I heard him exclaim, as he walked out of sight, Merry Christmas to all, and to all a good night. Well, welcome to Podcast 110. So happy to be here. Merry Christmas and happy holidays. And I have a message today for you entitled, 12 Days to a World-Class Contact Center. And yes, I'm going to today take that wonderful 12 days of Christmas, and I'm going to share with you 12 days to a world-class contact center. Now, if you know the beginning of the song, it starts with, on the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me. Well, I'm not your true love, but I truly do love 
when people are successful in a contact center. And I truly love when leadership delivers amazing results to your company, gives you thriving frontline employees, and certainly gives you customers that are loyal and want to come back. So I truly do love success. I love sharing with you leadership ideas that can help you be successful in your contact center. And you know what else? I love you guys too. So with no further wait, let's get to it. On the first day of Christmas, your true love gave to you creative workforce management. That truly is the partridge in a pear tree. You just can't live without it. You have to have creative workforce management. If you have over 50 agents in your contact center and you don't have a workforce management tool, you're crazy. And when I say creative workforce management, I'm not looking for punitive, unbending, letter of the law. Yes, you have to be strict, but I really am looking for creative and forward thinking. Workforce management that's integrated with the mission and values of your organization that really is looking to try to create an environment where the employees can excel, where they can be successful. A great example of that is coaching. We have to make sure that we align and schedule that the coaching gets done with your employees. We have to be able to stay the course and that requires creative integrated workforce management that's working with leadership, that's aware of the, the toils and troubles and challenges of your front line. So the partridge in a pear tree is creative workforce management. Two turtle doves, mission and purpose that you actually follow. This is a hard and crappy job that for the most part these people have on the front line. You need all the help you can. You need a mission and a purpose that you can follow, a mission and purpose that's going to help you be successful. Do you have one? Is your mission and purpose the same as the company? And that's okay if it is, but there are many contact centers that have the company's mission and purpose, but they've set aside and created their own mission and purpose for the contact center that more closely aligns with some of the more direct targets and goals that they have that they're trying to achieve. So I don't know where you are, but you need one to make sure that you've got something that you can rely on because mission and purpose makes a difference. It's one of the key components that frontline uh, employees are looking for. What's my purpose? How do I fit in? How do I make a difference? Why is it so important for me at at two o'clock in the afternoon to to be attentive or to be in my seat? Mission and purpose is, is really two components. It's being able to talk the talk because we have to be able to know the mission and purpose and your frontline employees need to know the mission and purpose, but you also have to walk the walk. It's something that you need to walk your values and walk your mission and walk your purpose. If the things that you do and the things that you say don't reflect your mission and purpose, it's, it's not gonna help you. It's not gonna be something that, that gets you to world class. So number two, mission and purpose you actually follow. Number three, which is French hens, is a culture that helps you not hurt you. I see this over and over again and I have a lot of podcasts on culture because culture really does give you a competitive advantage if it is an advantage in your organization and something that you embrace. I just finished a podcast, 109, that talked about engagement and talked about the importance of culture and the importance of living your culture. But your culture has to be something that you can explain that makes you better and one that you can count on in bad times. Because it's in those bad and difficult times when your culture really stands out, when your culture really helps you. And you'll know that your culture helps you because it's something that you repeat it's something that, that is interwoven into all the areas of your organization. And when you've got an issue, 
you look to it to help you overcome an obstacle or a challenge, whether it be a technology challenge, whether it be a training challenge or marketing makes some sort of a, a, a change that's going on or your customer base flips or the economy changes. When you can turn to your culture, something you can embrace that can help you, it makes a huge difference. So the third key to having a world-class center is having a, a culture that can, that not only helps you, but doesn't hurt you as well. Fourth up is four calling birds is quality monitoring that is embraced and desires. It needs to be something that your frontline can't wait to see. Quality monitoring is something where, where they're looking forward to their quality monitoring coaching session or getting their quality monitoring data because it's going to help them get better. And the most significant part of quality monitoring is it should close the loop. If you don't close the loop, if you can't actually take that data, apply it to a frontline rep in a way that they can understand, remind them of it, recognize them, and, and actually get a change in behavior, you're not closing the loop. You have to be able to change things. You have to be able to close the loop. And just a note, in the pursuit of AI, if, if you can't actually close the loop on four QM calls, if you actually can't take that data with four and close the loop, you'll never do it with a thousand calls. So make sure that you've got a quality monitoring organization that's embraced and desired. QM shouldn't be a sledgehammer. And usually the people that are in QM are people that were already on the floor. So they already have empathy with how they would like to receive QM information. But sometimes when we get over there, we have a tendency to change the way we deliver it or to, to lose sight of the empathy associated with, with having someone coach them or tell them the things that they're doing. And QM should be all about telling people what they're doing right, along with telling them the areas that they need to fix or they need to change. I ran into a contact center that if you scored above a, a 99, uh, they were bringing all sorts of balloons and gifts and, and lots of celebration. And if you scored below an 85, uh, you were taken off the phone. And I asked them what happened between 85 and 99 and they said absolutely nothing. And so it makes you wonder why people don't go from 88 to 92 to 94 to 95 to 97 to balloons. And that's because they have no embracing of success or celebration of success as they move it up the ladder. QM ought to be something that's embraced and desired. Five golden rings. And number five is vendors that live contact centers. You know what? Contact centers are really unique. They require expertise. I've been in this business since dinosaurs were roaming the earth, and I cannot tell you how many vendors I've run into that don't understand contact centers. They've gotten into the space because they have some technology, or maybe they've even got some cool technology, but you really need to have a vendor that understands contact centers. Because if they don't, they're missing that such a key, a key ingredient that, that makes what you do unique and special. And yes, I am a vendor. Yes, I understand contact centers. I just told you I've been there since dinosaurs have been roaming the earth. But, but really take note of the vendors that you work with and take note of the people that serve you, the people that sell to you. Do they really understand contact centers? Do they really have empathy for what you're trying to do? Can they really see the challenges and issues that you have through your eyes? Do they really understand the complications and issues that come into play? And you know what? One of the reasons hopefully you're watching this podcast is because you're trying to learn the complications and issues and learn how to address things. You need vendors from the salesperson to the service person, the executives that understand contact centers. It will bring you great benefit. Number six, which is six geese a laying, but it's a culture of learning and growth. You have to have a commitment to get better if you want to be a world-class contact center.
you can't change HT, which is the single component that will allow you to truly make a difference in your costs other than turnover without having a culture of, of learning and growth. You have to have that. You have to have the ability to learn and grow. Even if your tech gets better, even if we take more simple calls away, what's left over is gonna be even more complicated. A culture of learning and growth means that we create an environment where people get better. Without a culture of learning and growth, you don't have the ability to truly deal with change management, which means when something changes, I don't have the ability with scale to be able to communicate that information in a way that it's gonna be retained, it's gonna be delivered correctly, and it's gonna be done quickly. I don't have the ability for individuals to grow, for their season to be longer. Because it can get pretty repetitive, it can get pretty stressful, it also can be just painful to come to work every day and deal with the same problems over and over and over again without having some sort of growth, without having them having an opportunity either to get better or to learn more or perhaps to increase their goals on their personal careers and what they want to do by learning and growing with you. And whether that's as a supervisor, whether that's as somebody in QM or somebody in workforce management or in some other part of your organization, or maybe a level two within the, the front line, or maybe just getting in the front line and getting better at what they do or getting a better schedule. Our ability to be able to, to have a culture of learning and growth is so important to world-class because you know as well as I do that things change. And the only way to deal with things that are changing are with learning and growth and being able to have a, a swift and accurate and sticky way to change information and improve skills comes from a culture of learning and growth. And that's just as good as six geese a laying. Seven is seven swans of swimming, which is technology that is fully leveraged. We, we see this all the time. You know, so many times you purchase technology because of one or five features, but there's so many other things that your technology has the ability to do that doesn't cost you any money because you've already purchased it, you already have it, but you just don't have the time or maybe you're just simply ignorant of the fact that you have it. And we're quite often by, by our, our customer to come back in and just, just give an update on, on what we do and how we do it. And I'll, I'll never forget being in a meeting with someone when we were talking about something and, and it was something they clearly needed in their contact center and they weren't doing it and, and the executive heard it and goes, that's a miss. That's a miss. That's something we should be doing. Start doing that tomorrow. And sure enough, they did it the next day. And sometimes you just need to get your executives to hear it because you know it, but they don't know it. But maybe by communicating it to them, it would help. Making use of all of your technology, making sure that you're fully leveraged, gets us into a position to be more successful. I mean, it's kind of free, right? And, and if you bought a whole bunch of technology that you don't need, and you're not even using it at all, well, that's a whole nother story. That's, that's a completely unleveraged, right? Where that's technology we've, we've got that we're not even using. So, so take a look at your technology on a regular basis. World-class organizations continue to grow. They continue to get more leverage out of their technology. And I, I'm sure we, like every other vendor, you're constantly adding new features that you may just miss or you just haven't employed. So make sure that your technology is fully leveraged. Eight Maids of mil Milking is the frontline leaders that can truly lead and coach. I know you believe in coaching because if you didn't believe in coaching, you wouldn't be listening to these uh, podcasts. Everyone does believe in it, but it's so costly when the people that are on your frontline 
leaders when they can't coach. It costs you so much money. It affects everything. It affects adherence, quality, turnover, every level of performance. If you have coaches that can't coach, it's costing you so much money and so many customers and so much turnover that you've got to have frontline leaders that can truly lead and coach. You have to have culture. You have to have mission statements. You have to have all the components which are part of the walk the walk. That frontline leadership crew may be the very difference between success and failure in the coming year. Where do you stand with that? Are, are you world class? Are people stealing your frontline team leads or your supervisors? Is there a BPO nearby that just keeps poaching your folks? Are you a BPO and no one ever steals your supervisors or your leads? That's a way to measure whether you have a frontline leadership that really truly can lead and coach. Nine is nine ladies dancing. And nine ladies dancing means a strong partnership with IT, HR, and marketing. IT, HR, and marketing. And yes, there's probably some others that you need a partnership with, but you won't be world-class unless you have these three. You need them. I know they're busy. I know you're really, really needy. But you have to have a great partnership with IT. You already know that. Cannot tell me how many organizations we've run into that say, you know what, I love what you're doing. Can't get to it for five years. No matter how many times we tell them how easy it is, they don't have a partner in IT. You also need to have a partner in marketing because marketing is the one that's out there telling people and communicating with your customers on what you do and what you can do. And usually if a change occurs, it comes out of marketing. And then most certainly, most definitely, without a shadow of a doubt, unequivocally, you need a great partnership with HR. I don't know what part of the responsibility you have in hiring people, but you've got to have a great partnership with HR because we all know that hiring is so, so important to our success and so, so important to our ability to be able to be successful and do the things that we need to do. It's really, really important that you have a great partnership with HR. Do you? You'll never be world-class without a, a great partnership with IT, HR, and your marketing department. 10 Lords of Leaping, I guess that's as close as we're gonna to get to leadership. Executive commitment to world-class. Do they? Do they have a commitment to world-class? Can you truly say that? If they don't, you can change that. But you need executive buy-in to be world-class. And just because you don't have it doesn't mean that you quit. Doesn't mean that, well, you know what? Executives don't buy into world-class. You know, Sally or Joe or Fred or Tina or whoever the executive is, they've never bought into it. They've been here for 20 years. It's never going to change. Your responsibility is to keep trying. Because without executive buy-in, it makes it very, very difficult for obviously for you to get the resources, to commit the time, to, to persevere. And, and I think I've noticed in contact centers that high turnover has become something that some people have just, just decided to accept. You know what? It's a lousy job. We can't change it. We're just going to accept it and go on and do the best you can. <clears throat> and so what we do is we end up creating an environment where we're just surviving. We're not even thriving. But you have to have executive buy-in. Do you have executive commitment to world-class? And if you do, you've got a shot. Number 11 is 11 Pipers Piping. And that's a place where your front line can succeed no matter the length of their season. This includes so much. Maybe it shouldn't even be number 11. But it's a place where people can come and work for a season and be crazy successful.
whatever the length of time that your front line is going to be with you, it needs to be a season where you're set up for them to be successful. So often we have a tendency to treat employees like rental cars because we know they're going to leave. We've got this really high turnover. We just don't want to invest the time. And so it becomes this self-fulfilling prophecy that they're just going to leave, that they're just going to go away. We can't let that happen. You've got to have a place where your front line can succeed no matter what the length of their season is because sometimes people leave for simple reasons that you couldn't even control. But if you don't build an organization that's purposeful about putting all you can into these folks no matter how long they stay with you, so that when they are up and running, they can be successful. If you don't do that, then they're never successful. If they're never successful, they don't stick around. And you know that not everybody is immediately successful. Some people take time. Some of the best employees you've ever had took a little while to get there. And if you give up on them too early, and by the way, we give up on them by not continuing to train them, by not continuing to give them learning by not engaging them and having engagement and fun and rewards and recognition and acknowledgement, whether they're doing really poorly or really well, if we don't do that, we miss out. <clears throat> and that's how we give up on them early. It's like, well, you know what? Listen, if they're not going to be around for a year, I don't really want to invest any money in them. I don't want to give them anything. I don't want to start giving them rewards or recognizing them until they've been there. You know, when we do that, we miss it. Don't miss that. And 12 drummers drumming. I mean, it is Christmas, right? And Christmas is about the birth of Jesus and love coming down from heaven. And it needs to be Christmas every day in your center. You need to love your people. You know, for God so loved the world that he gave his one, one and only son. That is the story of Christmas. But we need to make sure that we're loving the people that are working in our center. And I'm not talking about family love. I'm not talking about relational love. But if you don't love your people, they're not going to love your customers. I've told the story before of Herb Kelleher that was the president of Southwest Airlines back when it was started and turned into this extraordinary airline. And they asked him one time how he was so successful. And he said, you know what? He goes, we love our employees and our employees love our customers. When you have that much love going around, you can make a lot of money. Do you love your employees? Do you love your employees enough to give them the tools and resources and the opportunity to be successful so that they can love your customers? Does your organization love IT and HR and marketing, the partners that you really need to have? Do your frontline leaders love your employees or do you just love the, the top leadership and then somewhere between you and down where the rubber meets the road, we lose that love? Is your culture thriving at higher levels in your organization but not down on the front line? Do your customers love you? And if the answer to that is no, then you know you've got a lot of work to do. Do your customers love you and does your frontline know it? Does your frontline know that your customers love them individually? You keep track of how many times they say their name or say hire them or clone them or I can hear the smile in their voice. Do you celebrate the love that your customers have for your employees? Do you celebrate the love that your employees have for your customers by, by making sure that you keep legacy measurements of perfect scores or, or an employee that went above and beyond that, that new employees or visitors 
or executives find out about these circumstances that change the way that you look at your service organization that are kind of things you want to tell people that arrive tomorrow, but you also want to tell people that come 10 years from now. Do you love the other departments in your organization by creating employees that can then go from where you are to other parts of your organization? Do you love new hires more than you love people that are leaving? Is your celebration of your new hires a bigger deal than when somebody leaves you? Do we celebrate when somebody goes into a different part of the organization? Do we celebrate when somebody becomes a supervisor or a level two or somebody achieves a, a, a self-driven goal or a target that they haven't had before? Do we rejoice when someone who was on a PIP isn't on a PIP anymore, but is now successfully in your organization? Is your PIP actually an improvement plan or just a way out the door? And yes, I know it's a way out the door, but how many successes do you have that you really did improve somebody that stuck around? Do you have all the components necessary to be successful? Do I have a creative workforce management? A mission and purpose you actually follow? A culture that helps you, not hurts you? Quality monitoring that is embraced and desired? Vendors that live contact centers? A culture of learning and growth? Technology that's fully leveraged? Frontline leaders that can truly lead and coach? A strong partnership with your IT, your HR, and your marketing? Executive commitment to world-class? A place where your frontline can succeed no matter the length of their season? And just simply a place where you love the employees and every once in a while and maybe more often than you ever thought you deserved but are, are so grateful that you receive where your employees love you back. Well, listen, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. This is the 12 steps to a world-class contact center coming from and delivered with true love for you to be a great leader and have great success. You can be a great leader. It just takes hard work and commitment and focus. And it also takes having a mentor. Do you have one yet? If you don't, you should get one. And you should also be a mentor for other people. Great to talk to you this week. Can't wait to talk to you next. Bye-bye now. You are being forwarded to the Contact Center Coach.